Welcome into the State of Combat Professional Wrestling Instant Analysis Edition. You can tell by the voice you are hearing, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. BC is out somewhere on the high seas, hopefully enjoying some pina coladas, margaritas, and not watching uh, the main event of WWE Hell in a Cell. But that is what Jack Crosby and I are here to talk about tonight. Hell in a Cell, SmackDown's debut on Fox, and everything in between. Jack, go ahead and say hi to the people. Hello, everyone. Back on State of Combat for a second night in a row. Yeah, this is a back-to-back for you. Pretty back damn to, good. Back-to-back. I will say that the UFC main event, slightly better than the WWE main event. Just a little bit. Just a bit. Okay, well, we're not going to waste too much time. This is the instant analysis after all. Jack, the only way we can start talking about WWE Hell in a Cell, even though what I really want to talk about is Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, but the only thing we actually can do to start is talk the Universal Championship match between Seth Rollins and the fiend Bray Wyatt. And, you know, anyone going into this show, listening to us right now, has probably already seen it. And if you did, chances are you were upset. And to me, Jack, it's simple as this. WWE, time and time again, simply shows that they do not understand their audience. It is not always about catering to what the fans want. You don't always have to give them the result they want for every match, every pay-per-view, every show. But what you need to do is show them that you actually care about the direction they are pulling you into. And what WWE has done is they have built up this character in The Fiend into something that Brian and I talk about it all the time on the podcast. It's been perfection. Step-by-step the entire way from the original vignettes to the presentation in the ring, to the theme music, everything. It's been picture perfect up until tonight. This is the opportunity that they had to kind of come in and say, yes, we're giving him, in the second match as The Fiend, we're giving him a title match. And yes, you should expect, based on what we've told you about this character, him to walk out of any match victorious. And in this case, because it's a title match with the Universal Championship. And it seems like WWE did what they thought was right to put The Fiend over but still keep the title on Seth Rollins. Instead, what they did was they continued to turn Seth Rollins into the new Roman Reigns, the guy that they want to get over, but the fans are revolting against because of the way they're booking them, not because they don't like the person, but because of the booking. And then they have Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, who is so incredibly over that I don't think he was necessarily hurt by tonight, but... The overall belief and presentation in the character, it took a major ding because of the way they presented it. So right off the bat, do you agree with that take? Yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, you, I'm, I was upset. Like that, that was inexcusable. The, the end of that pay-per-view simply, I've caped for WWE for a long time. I, you, you guys know me. I've been on this show before, and I'm always the one telling you in BC. On different subjects, calm down, let it play out. Calm down. You never know. Right. I was the one tonight who couldn't remain calm. I Because I literally got up from my seat and said, that is inexcusable. You cannot do that. Now, up to that point, I was okay with the story they were telling in the ring, in the match. It was, look, the, the match with Balor was just to introduce the character in front of a live audience. It was a quick match, in and out. We got it. This match was supposed to tell the story of, you cannot kill this guy, no matter what you do. Like right. Seth Rod, that stop has been protected. The sledgehammer was protected. The pedigree was protected. Bray crapped on all of it. And that led me to, I even told my wife, I said, 
he's going to win this match. Don't worry. Like they're just, they're getting this all out. And then when that end came, I did, I jumped up out of my seat and I said, inexcusable, you can't do that. Well, let's actually break down the match because we don't normally do this go so in depth, but this actually deserves it because what you said is right. The match was not entirely bad. In fact, I'd say two thirds of it, I was liking what they were doing, um, but it was at that point, and we'll, I'll tell you what that point was, and I'm sure Jack, you'll agree with me, that everything turned in a sour direction, basically. But th- the match begins with The Fiend coming to the ring, of course, and they put the red light on the entire ring. And I saw pictures from the arena. It looked great. Now, on television, yeah. you, have to remember, you have to remember, Jack, they did this once before. 1997, it was Survivor Series. Yeah. It, was Kane against, it was Kane against Mankind, and it looked really good on TV. I think there were two primary differences. One, we now have HGTV. People are watching this in 1080p. Some people, I don't think WWE broadcasts in 4K, but they might be watching it on a 4K TV. Back then you weren't. So you saw the red light, but it was still kind of muted and it was just more of a mood. This, my entire screen was red. And as a home viewer, also typing on the computer, doing our results and grades, it legitimately hurt my eyes. But again... But again, I heard from people, followers and listeners to the show who are in the arena. I saw tweets of pictures. It looked damn good. But that's where things started. And it was like, okay, they're going to go in that direction. They're going to make this a gimmicky type of deal. And the match began really with the story that you thought they would tell. Rollins being scared of Bray, of The Fiend. The Fiend looking completely dominant. Rollins getting some action on him. Everything's going really well. And hits the stomp. He kicks, he kicks out at one hits another stomp and I did something else, kicked out again. And you're like, okay, like this is going in the right direction. For me, Jack, where everything completely fell apart was not so much the bringing the chair into the ring, hitting him, putting it on his head, doing all of that. It was when Seth started going from two stomps to five, then to eight, then to 11. He had 11 finishers, not, and that was before the pedigree, not counting the ladder and the toolbox and all that. So did it fall apart for you at that same point, or was it perhaps a little bit earlier or later? It actually didn't at that point. See, the finishers didn't even bother me as much. It it honestly didn't, because this Fiend character is, uh, I even went so far as to say this has the possibility to be a transcendent character for WWE. So to give him this, that sort of unique, uh, you know, aspect of, yeah, like most people, not even Brock Lesnar can survive three curb stomps, but this dude, he can get up after eleven and just keep going because he. Okay, he's uh, so- but he did. But that's the thing, though. He didn't get up. He, like, all, like he kept. Yeah, yes, he did. But he that did was after. That was he, after he did the get back to it and everything. Well, what I'm saying is, he did get back to like the table base, you know, where he was on his hands and knees. I guess you could yeah. say he got up. He got up in that regard. But if you have Bro- Seth Rollins, the whole the whole point of this, people hearkening back, and I'm sorry to interrupt you here. But the whole point of this was the story they're telling is Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar, you know, with three curb stomps. He eventually beat Braun Strowman. This is the guy who beat these two monsters, and he can't put Bray Wyatt down with one, two, or three curb stomps. I'm okay with that story. But once you get to the point where he's just hitting curb stomp after curb stomp, a pedigree, this and that, you're telling the fans in the audience, I want you to hate what we're doing right now. Because we're trying to make you think Seth is going to win a match that he should not win under any circumstances, given the way you're building up the Fiend character and given the way that WWE always puts the Roman Reigns 
type of face over against all odds. Yeah, the, and well, the other thing that bothered me about those attacks too, by the way, that I didn't think of until I, I was mulling it over after was, number one, like we, we both agree, Bray Wyatt should have walked out with that title, correct? Absolutely. Or, right. or, or if you're not going to give him the title, then you have him do something so dastardly that the referee has to, the, the neck snapping, the blood in the mouth, you stop the match. You have the referee stop the match because of the fiend. Yes. The, the, guy, the guy who is that character who doesn't know boundaries, who is so crazy that he gets created this other would, world in his head, not the universal champion, a normal it, dude who's a, who's a CrossFit it, guy. It almost came across to me as if WWE, and this may or may not be the case, you never know, there, there's always a chance, but it, we spent the better part of, what, the last three, four weeks of Seth Rollins ending every Raw either looking like a crybaby cowering in the corner, or you could have taken Adam say half of that Hell in a Cell match of what we saw, maybe a good half, taken one edition of Raw where Seth looked like a crybaby and done all of that stuff to the Fiend somehow, somehow trapped him and did all of that and then told the story of, oh yeah, when you get to Hell in a Cell, this, this Seth is screwed because he can't kill this guy. Like you could have cut probably a good half of that and done yeah. it on Raw instead yes, of just right. ending it with, with Seth looking like that. And then, yeah, if you're going to do that, you have Bray look like the one who can't control himself. But it was, it was like they said, oh, crap, we made Seth, who, the guy we want to get over, we made him look like the biggest wimp in the world. So we, we have to save ourselves now. So here's what we're going to do with Hell in the Cell. We have to make Seth look like a psychotic monster when it's like, now, wait a minute. Why has, wasn't Seth doing this the last four weeks when he knows this guy is targeting him? Trap him or something and attack him like that. You're, it's a good point. The go-home Raw, probably, or even SmackDown on Friday night, which we will talk about later in the show, should have been Seth going nuts to this point where he has to get pulled off this guy. And then when you go back to Hell in a Cell and you have him in that frame of mind again and the referee says, stop, you can't, like you're going too far, he actually does stop. And then Wyatt sits up, hits him with yeah. the mandible claw and wins the title. But this is the truth, and I, Brian, Brian and I talked about this on the podcast many, many, many times. If you weren't going to do a title change here, you should not have booked the match in the first place, period. They, were, they, wanted to, they wanted to capitalize on The Fiend for good reason, but not go all the way. They wanted to say, hey, we put this guy in a position where it looks like he should have been champion, but he's actually not champion because how the hell are we going to put our main title yeah. for one of our shows on a guy who was the fiend. We won't even put it on Braun Strowman. How are we going to put it on the fiend? And that to me is the bigger issue. It's WWE again. Look, look, when they book a pay-per-view, they don't promise you a finish. They don't tell you at WrestleMania that Becky Lynch is going to win the main event. Yeah. But as a fan, you, you know, right? They don't tell you Kofi Kingston's going to beat Daniel Bryan, but the way they book leading up to it, you know what's going to happen. I say this all the time on the podcast. Predictable is not bad. And what the fans in Sacramento tonight wanted was predictable. They wanted the finish of The Fiend beating Seth Rollins, not because they hate Seth Rollins or they didn't hate Seth Rollins yet, but because this Fiend character is so over and so big. And what WWE said to them is, he, he's so good. You guys love him so much. We're going to put him in this match and give you what you want. And then WWE didn't give them what they want. And sometimes this is where I was going to make I, I was going to make a point tonight because as upset as I am, WWE in recent years has been about movements. Okay, 
as my they don't listen to the fans a lot of times, but they know when it's important enough to listen. Tonight could have been the jumping off point because those people, I haven't heard the crowd hot for one wrestler like that. I mean, the boos every time Seth was well, getting an offense Kobe. and the cheers. Not even, no, this was like, they were they were bloodthirsty for this. Like they, fans are rabid. Kofi, they were hoping. The Fiend, they are rabid to say, look, man, this, we want this guy. This is what we want. So tonight, I'm sure, like, we, we know he can make stupid decisions, but Vince McMahon is far from a stupid man. He sat back there and heard what was going on out there with that crowd and went, all right, I may have screwed up. I may have messed something up here. And if this continues now, week after, if we, if we get Fiend or Wyatt Chance or whatever, week after week, they will fix this. They will find a way, not, well, maybe not so much fix, but appease us and say, all right, we're sorry, we screwed up. But here's the thing, Jack. It shouldn't have to be fixed. And, it shouldn't. And this is not this is not to say that WWE needs to book their story. Look, look, people were really upset about how Game of Thrones ended, okay? Yeah. But there's a difference between being upset at really bad writing and storytelling, which is what happened in Game of Thrones, and it not ending the way you want. Those are two very different things. Game of Thrones was poorly done in its final season, and this pay-per-view, at least the main event, was poorly booked. If you wanted to have this finish in a feud between these two, then what you probably do is have The Fiend win the title tonight and then have a rematch at Survivor Series or wherever and have Seth lose his mind to the point where he can't win the title back because he went so crazy. And and so then The Fiend's – the result is good. The Fiend still keeps it. Rollins looks dominant because he beat the hell out of this guy, and it doesn't hurt either of them. Instead – they just tried to pull off a finish that had no business being here. And you mentioned the chance. We'll talk about them briefly. I do want to move on because I do want to connect this match to something that happened at SmackDown as well. But there were a number of chants in this match and after this match. There was a brief AEW chant. I think that's the smarks in the crowd. It shouldn't be surprising. No, The new chant at WWE is AEW as opposed to CM Punk because that's what the smarks are going to try to say to get under Vince McMahon's skin. Fine. They're, but more importantly than that, when they raised the the cell, when Wyatt sat up and put the mandible claw on Rollins, they wanted the match restarted. Yeah. They were holding out hope that WWE, like everyone was going to clear out of the ring and they were going to keep going. And then apparently there was a very brief after the show refund chant. And that's really what I want to talk about more than anything else, because this is, goes into what I want to discuss about SmackDown. WWE for its entire history, and recently it's been maybe a little bit worse, advertises a lot of stuff and doesn't deliver it, okay? And SmackDown, they advertised Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Sting, and a variety of other legends leading fans to believe they would be in the ring and involved in the show. They also, late in the process, a couple days before advertised The Rock, The Rock opened the show. We'll talk about that later. But WWE on Friday night did not deliver to fans in Los Angeles what they thought they were paying for with that ticket. And then two days later, on Sunday night in Sacramento, again, only had four matches really booked up until two hours before the show, and the main event where fans wanted a a clean or a decisive finish didn't give it to them for the second year in a row at Hell in a Cell. There was a no contest last year with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, and now again with Seth Rollins and The Fiend, and you cannot help but draw that parallel. 
No, no, you're right. Friday, I mean the the SmackDown fall. If you want to call it false advertisement, that might be that might be too strong because a lot of these people were on, you know, the blue carpet or whatever. But I, the SmackDown on Fox, what I ah, you hate to say this because fans are what drives the business. They, but, just a quick interruption. They were selling Austin Sting and Undertaker merchandise at the stands for yeah. like the SmackDown launch. They weren't even there. They weren't yeah. on the the blue carpet. They were. Steve, they did not exist in Los Angeles. Steve wasn't there. I thought he was. No, he did the promo from like Fox Studios or whatever with Strahan yeah, or something. Yeah, that's. What, I forgot what it was, but he was in some promo, but he was not there. See, that's my mistake. I thought at least Steve was hanging around. I know that somebody said I. I don't think he runs his own accounts, but I know the Undertaker was asked on Instagram on one of his things about um, why weren't you there and. Him or whomever runs his account answered the person back and said, I was called and told I wasn't needed. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but. Well, let's believe uh, it for a second. It is his account. Let's believe that. What business is WWE in where they're spending this much money on the set, on promotion and all this stuff, where they're going to promote The Undertaker, tell him he's not needed. Then on Raw a couple nights before, have Hogan and Flair there, which were both advertised for this show. And yes, they were in the crowd. So at least they were could be seen by the fans. But they didn't get in the ring. They didn't do anything. And honestly, even forget all them. Austin. Austin, Taker, and Rock, right? They delivered on Rock. They did yeah. not deliver on Austin and Taker. Yeah, I, I th- that you have to. I, I, I think maybe part of me, it, it could have a theory, just a, just a theory to throw out there, is that I, you know, I, as much as I don't like to believe Dave Meltzer with a lot of things anymore, I do believe the report before the official announcement of, it, the Rock depended on his schedule, and I think sure. Rock he's, he's one of the busiest men in the world. There's no question about that. I think at the last minute he called and said, "Hey guys, yeah, I could do it. It's like you know, if I do an opening segment, I could do it. I could be there for you guys." Maybe Rock's. What once they found out Rock could do what he was doing, they kind of told the other, "All right, you know what? Look, if Dwayne's going to be here, we're covered." You know, so we, I, believe, we don't... I, I believe that because it's a two-hour show. It's not Raw. Yeah. It's not a three-hour show. Now. I would love to say, well, they needed time to build for Hell in a Cell. They didn't build for Hell in a Cell on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, on Raw or SmackDown this week. So, what what did they use the time for? They gave us Reigns beat beating, and we're gonna uh, we're kind of moving into this already. But they gave us Reigns beating Rowan in a match that didn't need to happen because it was going on the pay per view. Uh, They had a couple other matches, a multi man match, some other stuff happening that didn't really need to be on there. I mean, there were positives, and we will talk about those later. But my point is. They advertised a 20th anniversary show, and the only person that celebrated the 20th anniversary was The Rock. And if yeah. you noticed during the show and leading up to it, they stopped calling it a 20th anniversary show. Yeah, like, they've kind of pulled back on that a little yes. bit. Yes, and, and, and let's not forget also the tickets for this, right? WWE doesn't sell out all their events all the time, right? They sold out the Staples Center, and tickets on secondary markets were going for as much as $160 to get in. Just to get in the building. So they sold this as a major event, didn't deliver. And now coming back to Hell in a Cell, because we will talk about SmackDown later, this was a pay-per-view in a major market for WWE. They do very well in Sacramento. That building was full. They showed a really nice shot of of the entire crowd. And they didn't send the fans home even lukewarm. Well, They sent them home angry. You can't do that. And well, well, yeah, send home angry. Plus, like you said, you know, you got to be careful what cities you go into because... You had said something. I, I, well, we knew. Like when you only have four matches announced for a pay per view when Sunday morning hits, 
Okay. Yeah. With the draft and everything, like I understood coming in, this pay-per-view essentially for the most part means absolutely nothing because we don't know what's going to happen Friday and next Monday. So for the most part, this was kind of a throw. You hate to call hell in a cell a throwaway, but it was, but they just went like the extra mile in letting you know, we don't care about this show. We, we cared about our Fox premiere. We cared about our season premiere raw. We get, we don't care about this show. It, it, it's like when they when they're kind of telling you we don't really care, and then to cap it all off like they did tonight of saying, "Look, we really don't care." I was kind of offended. I was like, "All right, look, let's just move on with our lives." I I think it's actually the opposite. No, really, I, I think they really cared about the main event and they thought it through very well, and this was what they came up with. I think they actually said. Look, we don't have a, a big pay-per-view. We have four matches that are announced. There's a lot of big names in those four matches, so that should at least appease the fans. We'll put together the rest of the card that will give them enough to chew on, and, and candidly, we're going to talk about it. I enjoyed the rest of the show. Straight well, up. Show. Tonight's straight show. Up, straight up enjoyed it. So they had me. They had me on the way to give them an A for a pay-per-view that came in 5 p.m. Sunday Eastern with four matches on it. Silver King was ready to give an A. And I just couldn't do it at the end. But I think they thought it through to such a degree that they overthought it, that they said to themselves, okay, what can we do to keep Rollins over, keep him looking strong, but not have him lose the title, but the Fiend still needs to look really strong. Okay, let's go with this finish. And man, it's the second time in a row that like, I think it was the WWE championship match at SummerSlam back-to-back years ended in like a no contest. It was... Uh, yeah, AJ, AJ Styles and Samoa, year. and what was that it was last year? year? And then this year was oh god, Kofi was Randy. it Orton? Was it Kofi Randy. Randy? Yep. Right. So two years in a row, they just did it. Was they just did this with SummerSlam? They did it again with Hell in a Cell, where you're like, this is supposed to be a major match. And yes, it was a no contest. People think it was. How can you call a DQ in Hell in a Cell? They didn't. He wasn't disqualified. They just ended the match, and it's the exact same thing. They like. And it, they Last looked year, like they buff- also called the no con. Non- they looked no like con- buff- they made the referee look like a buffoon because, like, he calls the match and is like, "Oh God, this is so devastating." And then two minutes later, Bray sits up and puts Seth in the mandible claw, and it's kind of like, "All right, you look like an idiot, bud." It just top to bottom, it took a pay per view I think that was very enjoyable, turned it on its head, and the biggest issue for WWE is this. Had this been a year ago, people would be upset. You go into Raw Monday, they, they fix it. They always fix it to yeah. at least a degree where you're willing to say, okay, I see what they are going for. Okay, I'll keep watching, right? They actually are now in a position, and it's only been half a week, where they have competition, where you have Matt Jackson jumping on Twitter immediately after. Hey, smartly. I don't blame him. No, no, no. I don't blame him either. Hey, uh, there's another episode of AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. And guess what? That riles up these 18 through 49 fans that you so desperately covet if you're Vince McMahon in WWE because they're the ones on the internet, on Reddit, on Twitter, and talking to their friends angry at this. That's the audience that WWE's been missing or has lost that has lapsed for such a long period of time where maybe they said, look, man, Raw was pretty hot fire this week. SmackDown, okay, maybe it wasn't great, but it was on Fox and whatever. AEW was strong. NXT gave us the best match of the week. Man, this Hell in a Cell, I got to watch this. WWE is going to deliver. And you're, yeah. it's building up, and you're like really excited about it. And then 
even halfway through the match, you're like, okay, well, this is exactly. the red the red stuff is weird, but I'm down. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And then they just do that to you. They punch you in the face. Yeah, I didn't blame. I saw Matt's tweet. I said, I, for the first, I was like, look, man, I don't blame you one bit. Milk this for all it's worth. Tell those people, hey, we hear you. We'll be back on Wednesday. And then just cover your steps. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Just keep going. Because, you know, it's a Wednesday night. And the thing with AEW is that 1.4 million, it's not going to stay at 1.4 million. Like, we, we know that. But I, it's I also, expect it to go down to a million this week. It's also. It's also not a number to scoff at either. That it was a li- it was a tad bit eye opening. One point four million, and especially that eighteen to four, like you said, the eighteen to forty nine demo number. Like AEW has to be heady enough now to say when WWE does stuff like this and saying, "Look, all right, then we can wrap these guys. In. We could pull them in even more if if W if Vince is going to pull stuff like that." Then we could we got to do whatever we can in a smart manner to just keep shoveling them in, and because. It, it, like I said, 1.4 is not going to stick. It might drop down to a million, million one, but like the opportunities are there if WWE pulls stuff like this. Well, the truth is, uh, and people from our last podcast, the one I was on with BC, somehow thought I was an AEW mark. And I mean, you know from talking to me, day You're to day, the I, farthest am, thing. <laughs> I, I am the farthest thing from it. I, I, I properly praised them for things that I thought were good in that show. But what I'm going to tell you is this. Um, they have done to this point a very good job handling WWE. Apparently, they confiscated signs at the Wednesday show, including the one about Vince Fears ratings that was on for a couple minutes early in the show. They took it away. They're not, they don't want anti WWE stuff. And if we're being fair, WWE is running a little scared. And again, I am not saying that as some AEW supporter, because to me, I'm still a WWE guy and I'm going to be until they completely push me away from the product. But WWE sends a press release this week, or a statement, I should say, a quick statement congratulating AEW on its launch yeah, and saying, hey, don't worry, this is a this is a long-term race. It's not a sprint. And I'm like, why the hell are you doing that? They're doing it because they lost head-to-head and they and, didn't yeah. think they were going to. And I'm going to tell you something. They're in for a rude awakening. AEW is not going to come in and dominate. The, listen, the Fox did, I think, a 3.9 or something like that. Yeah. They're not going to come in for it, – it's going to take years for them to get to that point, if ever. They probably will never get to that point. But they can build on what they've done. And if WWE keeps giving finishes to pay-per-views and treating fans the way they did tonight in this particular finish to this match, they're going to push people away. And now, for the first time in yeah. years, and they have decade, somewhere to go. They have somewhere to go. It, 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 you know, for like you said, for so many years, WWE had that. St- you know, they had that arrogance about them of we could do whatever the f we want to you people because exactly. what are you gonna do? And now people are going, I'm gonna go to AEW on Wednesday night. Screw you. I'm done with this. And yeah. AEW, and I, I think AEW has the right people in place, especially with Co- I love Cody out of all of them. Cody's my favorite. I, I think Cody just, he's the right person for this at the right time. Like Cody's enough to sit everyone down and say, all right, here's what's happening. So here's what we have to do. Sure. And I, I do think also that AEW, they're not without flaws too. I mean, the Kenny Omega storyline, apparently it's going somewhere. They promise it's going somewhere. They've told told Meltzer and others to kind of disseminate that information that fans will be happy at the end. But fans don't really love everything they're doing right now, to be fair. Um, hey, but, yeah, but, 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 they're, but they're letting them tell them the story 
because there's layers and it's interesting and they have a trust in them. Just like with NXT, if, you, if there's a match finish that you're like, what the hell was that? You're not going to boycott the NXT product because they've ingrained such trust with you yeah. over the time. All WWE does is every time you start trusting them, they yeah. slap you in the face again and it makes you wonder, like, why am I with this person? They're treating me like crap. And again, this isn't about who won the match. It's about the story they told and how they booked it. And tr- to me, the bigger sin... The bigger sin than not putting the title on The Fiend was they actively hurt Seth Rollins tonight the exact same way they did Roman Reigns. He'll never and recover. For some, and, and for some reason, they didn't know that was going to happen. I will, tell, I will tell you and the listeners this right now. Seth Rollins will not recover from what happened tonight. I hope they know that. If their intentions were to help him tonight, I hope Vince and everyone else who had a hand in this knows you just screwed this guy royally tonight. And the truth is, Jack, that's not actually the first time they've done something like that to Seth. And we've, we've obviously talked at, in, ad nauseum on this podcast, BC and I, that all the ways they screwed Roman Reigns from the Royal Rumble all the way on forward with Daniel Bryan and so on. Um, but they've done this to Rollins a couple times now, and it just seems like they can't get out of their own way. They do not know how to book baby faces. And they certainly don't know how to book their top guy. Um, And that's another thing that will connect to SmackDown that we will talk about in a little bit. We're going to talk about the entire SmackDown show and the rest of this Hell in a Cell card. But first, before we do that, quick word from our friends and sponsors. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. All right, Jack, we're back. And I think the truth is that we could have talked about The Fiend and Seth Rollins for an hour. And we probably would have found a million different angles and a million different things to complain about. But we're not actually here to complain. This is not, that's not what this podcast generally is, the state of combat with Brian Campbell or without Brian Campbell tonight, at least. We actually want to talk about quality wrestling. And the good news is WWE Hell in a Cell actually gave us some of that. Now, they opened the show with Becky Lynch defending the Raw Women's Championship against Sasha Banks. And you know from the start, I was pissed because what Silver King likes, and I also hate talking about myself in the third person, even though it's kind of grown on me a little bit. uh, What I like very much is when WWE presents a pay-per-view like a fight card, like a boxing card, a UFC card, or a New Japan card. They build up, and yeah, you can have a couple matches here and there that are a little bit bigger than others, but your final two or three matches are your main events. And Becky Lynch against Sasha Banks, I thought should have main evented Clash of Champions. I, I understand why they didn't based on the stories they were telling. I thought it should have main evented Hell in a Cell or at least co-main evented. And instead, they gave it to us right out of the gate. And while I still disagree with that decision, I understand they didn't want to do two Hell in a Cell matches back to back. And they probably didn't even want to put one other match in between them. So they put it up front. And you know what? It worked. I can be wrong. Everyone can be wrong. It freaking worked. Uh, Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch, to me, it wasn't a five-star match in terms of wrestling quality, right? 
But if I'm grading a Hell in a Cell match, and I did do that in our results that you can find on CBSSports.com, that was an A-plus Hell in a Cell match. You can disagree with the winner, but Jack, break it down for me because from start to finish, I didn't dislike a single thing they did. No, that that was that was one of the best that was one of the best overall WWE matches we'll see all year on, on any sort of TV they'll produce. And what I love what I loved about that match is, you know, you still have people you still have people that will make the argument that Hell in a Cell matches can't be effective in the PG era. In this era. And I love that two women went out there and went, Oh yeah, watch this. Like Be- Becky and Sasha, two of the best on the planet, male or female, went out there and said Yes, we can make a Hell in a Cell match work. Here's how. The problem is, most of the time, WWE just throws the wrong people against each other in the cell. They throw the wrong feuds in there. They throw the wrong compet. This was the two perfect people to throw them inside the cell, and they were innovative. Like, that's that spot Becky hit where she sat Sasha on, on top of the chair in the corner of the cell. The chair was propped up on the kendo sticks. Came in, drop kicked Sasha off the chair. That was insane. It was innovative. <laughs> those are two. Those are just two smart women. Yeah. And when you put them in a wrestling ring, they're geniuses. And they showed that tonight. Um, I was surprised and- by the outcome, though. I uh, my I would I really in my heart of hearts have put it in my head that Fox wants Becky Lynch in that because she she was probably plastered over all those advertisements more than anyone. So my thing was, all right, this is simple. You slap this raw title on Sasha, and then Becky on Friday, her new home is SmackDown, and then start something with Bailey or well, we'll get to that and and whomever. But and by the way, and by the way, really quick, you know WWE doesn't split up couples, so it also would have made sense for Seth to lose and go to SmackDown. Yeah, and they 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 could have went been on their merry way, and we all would have been like I would not have been like if Sasha walked up because I had too. I thought, wait a minute, now they're not going to bring Sasha back after all that nonsense and all that drama, and tell her, okay, we're going to do the thing at Clash of Champions, but then we're going to put you in a cell with with Becky, and you're still going to lose. And I didn't think that was going to be part of the deal, and then. But I, but there's also some kind of story brewing with the other, you know, looking at the other title match later tonight. There might be something brewing there that we can keep an eye on with with Bailey too. But no, fantastic match, loved it. My one of my favorites of the year, and kudos to both the women. But this is a perfect example of they did not book the finish the way we would have. They didn't no. book what we wanted them to book. We wanted, and the crowd wanted Sasha Banks to win. There was even. When Becky was getting a lot of offense in late, there was a, I wouldn't call it a boo, but there were some murmurs because they were like, yeah. oh my God, Becky's actually going to win this. Then Sasha came back a little bit on her. And, but ultimately, the match was done so well. It was booked well. It was laid out that Becky won and the crowd cheered because okay, it was yeah, a good was- match and a good finish. And that's the thing. We listen, we all book the damn territory, as we say on this show. We know what we want WWE. To give us, we know what we would do if we were, as BC would say, by Pat Patterson at the pool uh, with Vince McMahon. But we're not. What we hope is that WWE tells us cohesive, coherent storylines that are not convoluted. And that ultimately the match finishes, especially ones that are blow-offs for feuds, make sense. And we hate, we hate when they take a clash of champions and they have every match, you know, no titles change and, and everything's kind of... Blah, blah, blah. And then they repeat all those matches at Hell in a Cell. Yeah. But at least in your head, you say, you know what? 
They're repeating them because that other person's going to win the title. Well, Randy Orton never beat Kofi Kingston. Neither did Kevin Owens. Sasha Banks isn't beating uh, Becky Lynch. And, and it's just been over and over again that WWE repeats these matches and doesn't give us the ultimate winner that should probably happen at some point. But in this case, the match was so damn good yeah. that it worked. And it doesn't just go for the the creativity that you mentioned, but just the aggressiveness of the Sasha Banks character starting off the way she did, you know, attacking her right off of the bat. You Becky then responding to that aggressiveness by wrapping the chain around her hand and just the entire way the match transpired from there on. It was brilliantly done. I would not be surprised if they primarily, you know, booked it and scheduled it themselves. But either way, it was a hot start to the show. I thought it was pitch perfect is the best way I can put it. It does leave me wondering, though, Jack, what is next for Sasha Banks? Because I don't think that when she did walk away, at least if you want to believe her at all in her interviews and so on, I really don't believe it was all about her not retaining the titles and not winning. I think she got frustrated with her booking. And this booking, I thought, was totally fine. But at the same time, this is probably of the four, and certainly Becky has stepped into that role as the number one woman in the company. But it looked to me, or at least I believed for a long time, that Sasha Banks had that in her. She had the charisma to be the foil forever to Charlotte Flair. And they just don't treat her like it and I honestly don't know why. I no, I can't figure it. Out. I because I was I never. I, well, I didn't agree. I like I don't agree with walking out on your your employer like that. Like I I didn't one hundred percent agree with the way Sasha went about things. But I also understood her. For, I understood where she was coming from because here was a girl like we saw from NXT. Where like you you can't screw this up. Like look at this girl. Like she's one of the best heels I've ever seen in all the years I've been watching wrestling. She is just phenomenal. And then they screwed it up. And then they screwed it up again. And the, Sasha Banks is almost like a Bray Wyatt tale in a sense. It's like, it's like, all right, we got it. No, we don't. We got it. No, we don't. We got it. No, we don't. Um, but also, let's, not, let's with, not forget, every time she does win the title, she holds it for eight days. Yeah, like it, they, they were screwing her there too. Um, but I think Sasha will be all right because like we saw, I mean, we'll get to it later. I know we keep bringing it up, but like we see that uh, SmackDown now is the A-show presentation in this company. For how, however long that lasts before USA starts to get mad, we see that that is the A show now. I think she's headed there. I think Sasha's off her. I think she goes to SmackDown. Um, and maybe, like, uh, you know, again, we'll get to the match in a little bit, but she has a ready made feud there. Yeah, she does. And the only hope that I have, I thought they cooled her down significantly by pairing her with Bailey. I know they wanted to turn Bailey heel, but. I thought they cooled her, Sasha Banks down because she came back as such a really cool badass, take no prisoners. And even though Bailey was heel, she still has the fun music and she's still a little bit happy go lucky or thinks she's a good person. And by putting Sasha by her side, it just waters Sasha down. It waters the badassness yeah. of Sasha Banks down. So I just really hope that they're able to stop that and not just put them back together as a tag team to go after those titles again because if they do it's not that it would totally be wasted on them but it's basically it, but it's basically just rewinding to march yeah i don't want to see and that it's like no and it's like what where are we really going with two of the best women in the company because what wwe has proven especially when sasha banks was out and now that oscar is in a tag team although we definitely will talk about that later um 
There is not, there is a very shallow pool of main event women in WWE. They are deep. They, they have the best women's roster in professional wrestling worldwide, I would say. But yeah. it is very, very shallow at women that are believable long-term champions. And it's really the four horsewomen plus Asuka. That's your list. Pretty much, and then the the only other one like believe it, it, she's she's been the NXT Women's Champion for the last twenty five years. That's the right. only other girl in the company that like because I mean I've been saying I've been saying for a long time Shayna Baszler has got to get on Raw SmackDown. We we have got to get that woman up there because she I think Shayna is going to breathe new life into that division and create new. But no, you're right. It's it's just it's shallow because and. Again, like the four horsewomen of rest, the 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 wrestling four horsewomen. The thing is, though, they just keep going out there and proving they're miles above everybody else, and it, it's it's so noticeable. And you don't want to knock the other women again, excluding Asuka, definitely excluding and, her. And Kyrie Kyrie. Good. Nikki Cross is good. There's others that are very good. good. It's just like when you see these four, it's really not hyperbole. Like these four are going to be remembered years from now, years and years. As just, I don't think we're going to realize how great they were until they're gone. Like we, we, like we know right now, just the transcendent, like just the four of them. Every time they they're paired up, whether it's tag team matches, one on ones with the feud like this with the four, they just would go out there time and time again and remind us, hey, here's here's everyone else and here's us. So don't ever forget that. And let's not forget too that you know Sasha Banks is married. Um, Charlotte Flair appears to be in a serious relationship with Andrade. So there are outside of wrestling things that will take them away from the company where a male superstar would also miss time for similar, you know, things, whether it's pregnancy, marriage, things like that, but perhaps not as long. It it may be a situation where at some point Charlotte or, or Sasha decide to move on with their lives and spend a couple years away. And that is where, a male superstar, perhaps, would not necessarily do that. Um, so WWE, they have them. My point is, they have them for a finite period of time. And there have been occasions over the last, let's call it, two years, where they seem to forget what they have, despite last year. You know, it was convoluted a little bit, but they really told that storyline up to the WrestleMania main event. But it was, like, Bailey kind of just was like, forgotten about and oscar was used as a tool to change the title and and now then coming after it when the women's revolution is at its peak with becky lynch winning at wrestlemania they never cap they put her in a feud with lacey evans and they never capitalized on it and only just now and the, the credit we will give hell in a cell jack this match was great becky lynch sasha banks a plus match and the bailey charlotte smackdown women's championship match it wasn't as good but it was damn good in its own right to it the was point, to the point where I liked it as the co-main event. They said to me, you know what? You're pissed that we put that other one, you know, so far up in the card. Well, there's a reason for it. It's because we put Bailey and Charlotte here and it, it, was, it totally deserved it. It was two different. It, that's the thing. These four women put on two different types of professional wrestling matches. One was, I hate you. You hate me. We have to be locked in this cell. We're going to beat the hell out of each other until one of us can't stand anymore. Bailey Charlotte was a slow build telling a story. That went from the opening bell to way after the bell with Bailey, with what happened with her. It was slow build storytelling. And, and mixed in there was, hey, now Charlotte is a 10-time women's champion. So we have that. We could sandwich right. in here, too. But from start to finish, like people, I saw people go, well, this isn't as action-packed as 
Be- as uh, Sasha and, and um, new shit. <laughs> and Be- Becky, I was like, it's not supposed to be like <laughs> Bailey and Charlotte are in there saying, here's what we have to tell. Here's how we do it. And they did a fantastic job at it. I love these women. Now it was fantastic. That's the right word. Um, you know, let's not forget also they're telling the story with Bailey of someone who thinks she needs to be like Sasha, be a heel, have that edge. She turns, um, you know, she got the win with Charlotte at class champions by, basically tripping her into the exposed turnbuckle, then rolling her up for a pin. In this match, she was using heel tactics as well. The feet tried on the to, ropes, yeah. Tried to cheat with the, the feet on the ropes. It didn't work. She ultimately lost. Now she's, you know, crying and muttering to herself after the match, yep. throwing a fit. Pushing the, at, yeah, pushing the ref. Yeah, and, and it's like, well, is she going to crack and go full heel? Or is she saying like, oh my God, why am I being like this? This isn't me. And goes back full on face. And maybe that's her angle. So they got me intrigued in the entire match. Haley, uh, I call her Haley, Bailey being a, a legitimate heel in the match with made Sasha, I mean, not Sasha, I'm, it's, it's 1230 uh, <laughs> Eastern, by the way, let me just clarify, I've been up all day, um, made Charlotte Flair into somewhat of a face where she's really kind of in a tweener role right now, and it got me believing in the match, believing in the finish, and caring about the post-match storyline, so I thought the women's matches as a whole, I think I gave that one a B plus, and I gave the first one an A plus, I mean, those two stole the show. They said to me that, hey, why aren't you doing another Evolution pay-per-view? Like, these women can do the jobs that you want them to do. They can main event. Banks Lynch could have main evented. I understand why it didn't. But it could have any other pay-per-view that WWE put together, including, like, a SummerSlam. That yeah, yeah I was just going to say, so, SummerSlam, at that match, if you put that, say, because it's, it's not, say you said they were doing it in a steel cage. Like a traditional steel cage match was going to main event SummerSlam with those two. I would do that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Uh, now, we do have a lot of other things that happened on Hell in a Cell we want to get to. We don't want to go too long. It is supposed to be instant analysis after all. Uh, we had Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan beat Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. You know, to me, it was a, it was a tornado match, obviously. And because of that, it was a bit of a train wreck in terms of, you know, just the the constant motion and things happening. I'm not saying that really as a criticism. I thought those four guys delivered. Ultimately, it's as simple as this. Um, they had a storyline they were going with Reigns and Brian. They completely rushed it, then screwed it up. Um, they tried to fall back into something that didn't work. No one really cares that Luke Harper is back, even though they wanted him back because he was over when he got injured and left. Um, but ultimately, I thought the match was good. The finish was good. And as WWE has succeeded in doing ever since he's come back uh, from his leukemia um, that's in, now in remission – they're continuing to find ways to get Roman Reigns over, and I thought they succeeded tonight. Yeah, I, because because it was really simple. First, keep him out of the title picture for a little bit. Don't let Roman near any world titles. The WWE champion, he's big enough. He Roman, the, you know the those the, the haters, the longtime haters. I hate to hear this. Roman is bigger than the title at this point. Roman Reigns has reached that status. He is yeah, there's, bigger. There's another. There's another person we're going to talk about tonight who's bigger than yeah. the title. Yeah, he. Yeah, he is bigger than the title. So it doesn't matter. The thing was keep him away from those titles. Let other guys play with them. The Universal and the WWE Championship. Let the other kids play with the toys. Um, I'm just surprised because I, I was even through all of this. I still still think after this great match, I still thought it was going to be revealed that Brian was behind the whole thing. And he had devolved into such a psychotic, but that he was going to say it was some sort of sick initiation, the beatings he was taking from Harper and Rowan, and they had to prove himself, and he was willing to sacrifice himself. And But I think, I believe, 
that they just decided, no, let's just turn Brian back babyface. Let's just since we screwed this up to begin with and went completely off the rails, let's just let's just turn Brian full fledged face and then we'll figure it out from there. But storylines aside, the match was fantastic. I mean, this is the fifth time in history that Brian and Roman have tagged together, and oddly enough, they're fantastic when they tag together. Now it's easy to do anything with Brian Danielson because the guy he's one of the greatest of all time. There's no doubt about that. But no, it's it's because I remember the other tag matches they've had, and they were entertaining again. They make a great tag team. That finishing sequence was fun. I love that. That that, that was great. Topic. The Hurricanrana to get out of the power bomb on the table. Then Reigns jumps over the uh, you know barricade and spears Rowan can through I, the table. That I, was fantastic too. Well, can I say though that spear? I held my breath for a second because Roman. I don't know if he or if he or if it was his shin. Maybe he. The table didn't break, and Roman, without hesitation, grabbed his knee and started screaming. And I did. I stopped for a second and went, oh, no. <laughs> I think he just ruined his knee. And then when they showed the replay, the table didn't break. The knee hit the table, and I went, oh, please don't do this to this guy. But thankfully, he's all right. But he I don't know if he was really good at selling or if he just cracked it enough where he was in pain for a little bit and was able to shake it off, but that scared me a little bit. Yeah, don't work yourself in too much of a shoe, brother. Uh, but no, that was a really good match. Um, ultimately, just the action, them giving that type of action and, and a solid result. Roman going in for the hug with Brian, which is very Team Hell No-esque, you know what I mean? But the crowd really popped for it. And you're right, it does seem like they are turning Daniel Bryan back face. And the truth is, WWE, we mentioned it earlier, has such a problem booking baby faces. With Daniel Bryan, you actually can't screw up. It's like when CM Punk was there. You can't screw up booking them because they make it good. Even if it's bad booking, they make it good. So I'm okay with Bryan going back face. I think you and I both agree last year his heel run was untouchable. It was just fantastic top to bottom. Uh, He was the perfect foil for Kofi Kingston, even though they didn't know they were going in that direction. It just worked out so well. Uh, But I'm okay with him being a face because WWE does legitimately have plenty of heels. And if we want people like Samoa Joe or Andrade or or Baron Corbin to a lesser extent, I know people hate him. You and I both like him very much as a heel. If we want those people elevated to a main event role, then you can't have people like Daniel Bryan or even AJ Styles to some extent. Because they're too being, good. Being the top the top heels, because they're they're so damn good at it that you don't want anyone else to be it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you, no, so that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. So, so that's where I stand on it. Speaking of Corbin, briefly, uh, he had the King of the Ring finals rematch. It was the third time they fought against Gable. Um, look, the long story short here, they fully went in, and, and honestly, it had been so long since the rumor came about. I did not think they were going to go with calling... Chad Gable, Shorty G, that was the rumor. It's now Shorty Gable. Um, they went with it. He embraced it. I'm not completely against it because he is certainly not the first guy to get a gimmick like that and then end up being huge because of it. Let's not forget that Kurt Angle, and granted with Kurt, he was far more established at the time. He made an ass of himself on WWE television. He was completely over. And he was able to move away from some of the asinine antics and and storylines they put him in and go back to being a world champion that everyone believed in and loved. So it's a little bit different with Chad Gable because he doesn't have have that gravitas just yet. But for me, they had Chad Gable wrestle in the middle of a pay-per-view 
beat the king of the ring. And then they gave him a backstage segment where he got the crap kicked out of him by Corbin, which put him over even more with the fans that were cheering. So I thought it was a huge win for Chad Gable, for you and me, probably for BC. He doesn't even know what happened yet. He doesn't know anything that's happened the last week. And I think it's a win for fans that WWE is actually investing in Chad Gable. Yeah, I, uh, I, I am... I'm not as against the Shorty G thing as a lot of other people because I know everybody likes to jump to conclusions. It's a, The thing is, I have seen crazier things in wrestling work. I have seen guys make stupider things. You, you know, turn they turn the, the chicken crap into chicken, into chicken salad. Dean you know, Ambrose got a plant over. Yeah, Dean Ambrose got a plant over. Chad Gable is a charismatic dude when you let him fly. He showed it in NXT. He showed it in, like, YouTube videos. He's a real charismatic dude. And the thing that he possesses is something you cannot teach, and he showed it in recent weeks. This dude comes out to no reaction, just about, or very limited. By the time his match is over, he has those people on their feet, just by his wrestling ability alone. So I think that if anybody could pull it off, this guy is one of the few that can make this work. I agree, and you know what? To be fair, and I know you'll agree with me, it's not just him. Baron Corbin coming no, after... Since his break following the, Roll- the Rollins feud, okay, he has been top of his game. He does, he's great on the mic. He's a legitimate heel. It's real heat. At some point, yes. A couple months ago, it was X-Pac heat. It was go away. We're tired yep. of you. The, what was it? The constable and the ge- assistant general manager, all that crap. The, the angle storyline, you know, at, at, Re- at WrestleMania, retiring him. Fans didn't want any of that. But this Corbin that we have now, a little bit more badass, really damn good in the ring has been totally able to showcase his talents and Chad Gable has brought out the best in him, but he's also brought out the best in Chad Gable. And I yep. don't think he gets enough credit for being as good as he's been. No, he does. I'm, I'm on board with Barry. Yeah, like we just said, both, both of us are, I, I love Bear. I love Bear. And I, I, I just, I can't, I, like you said, I can't say enough about the way the guys progress, especially in the ring. But that shows me, and that's where I gain respect for performers all the time. If you show me that you are legitimately trying to get better at your craft as a fan, I respect you more. That's that's in anything. And yeah, you know that's totally true. I've I've said the same thing about Carmella over the last yeah. year. She she is four times as good as she was a year ago, and then four times better than the year prior to that. You can tell when people are actively trying. Even Lacey Evans, to some extent, this feud with Natty is helping get her exposure, but it's also helping her get better in the ring. And it is noticeable. She's not great, but it's noticeable. A um, couple other things from the show. We had the women's tag team titles on the line, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defending against the Kabuki Warriors. And Jack, I got to be honest with you. I was a little concerned when the match was booked. I was just in my head. I was thinking, I don't want them to get squashed again and just prove that WWE A doesn't care about the division and B does not know what to do with Asuka and Kyrie Sane, Kyrie Sane, who are, as we said, outside of the Four Horsewomen, and Oscar is better than half of the four horsemen. But but outside of them, they are the next two that are legitimately great and can be women's main eventers in the company. Um, I was a little concerned about it. We did our predictions, you know, only an hour before the show. I ended up predicting them to win simply because I thought they would want to split up Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross on two different brands. And to my surprise, they actually won. And not only did they win, Jack, the match started with Kyrie Sane acting as a heel, throwing jabs and poking eyes and the commentary to Corey Graves' credit, started putting her over. We haven't seen this from her before and, and telling the story. And what they did over a not-too-long match, I, I don't know the time. I'm guessing it was like 12 minutes or so. But 
over a not-too-long match, they totally established that Kyrie Sane and Asuka, the Kabuki Warriors, are now heels. They gave Asuka the green mist to win the match, which is a total heel move and is representative of her Kana days back in Japan where she used to, I think it was red she used to do. Is it blood or mist or something? Well, like that? you, and maybe a lot of viewers don't know, so maybe I could educate here a little bit. Go you guys it. know the difference between the mists, right? You mean the there, green, the red, etc.? There are levels to the mists. And I don't know if WWE is going to go that far. I wish they do. And they, I won't, like it. But break, they won't, but break it down very briefly. Like, like, um, green is just simply what it was used for tonight. Green is uh, to just te- just temper it very briefly, blind your opponent, and do what you got to do. That's why Great Moody all used it in all his, all his matches, pretty much. Red burns the eyes for a very, very long time. So you see the red mist. That per- I'll just do I'll do the top three because if there's purple, purple gets a little weird. Okay. But um, you got the you have the green which Oscar used tonight. The red severely burns. Yellow though, if you see yellow, that's where things get interesting. It paralyzes the opponent's at- entire body. That's why I tweeted tonight. <laughs> please, please, please <laughs> let Oscar at some point use the yellow mist because. But you, your opponent is. I've seen it before. I've seen it in all the different. I've seen it in all Japan, New Japan, Noah. Um, but they 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 do. They just are. Pay- and if used in the right context, it's really cool. If you could do it right, it's really but the, the opponent is just paralyzed. They can't move. Well, I think tonight, at least for the green, was the a great context because not only did it work, because it caught fans by surprise. It established the story they were telling the entire match with these two. And you know, I said it about the Bailey and Charlotte. Um, also I'm gonna say it again when we talk about Orton and Ali briefly. This show before the main event. It was very well booked in terms of match quality, not just match quality, but storytelling for matches that they just seemed to throw on the show out of nowhere. And maybe it was Paul Heyman, because a lot of these were raw, but they actually went to the lengths of telling a complete story, whether it included a backstage segment or it didn't, in either the individual matches or, like I said, the one or two times that they were shown. And this thing, I was... Completely entertained. I was thrilled that the Kabuki Warriors won the women's tag team titles and they continued healing it up. Kyrie Sane wiped Asuka's lips and then yep. put the fingers to her lips to get green on her lips. And it was just like, they're badasses in heels. I popped massively for it. I thought we don't we're not doing hero zero. That was a huge hero tonight. That's uh, the only my only I just have one suggestion. Um, I, I don't. I don't think. Know if you guys have ever tied. Maybe you have briefly when they debuted. When uh, Paige is done recovering from neck surgery, uh, just tell her we're going to find you something else to do. Let's exactly. just for, let's just forget that it never fit. It never made sense. It was so weird. It was like, why are you doing this? So it's why, it's. Why are you I, here? I, I've had the same issue with Paige uh, doing it that I had with with Sami Zayn and Nakamura. And I'm just going to. I'm just going to say. I'm just going to say it for for. 10 seconds and we're going to move on because we have so much more to talk about. But to me, it is, it was Vince McMahon or the writers believing the Japanese talent cannot get over without someone who can speak English for them. And for for sure. And it's, I think it's patronizing and I think it's insulting because you had Asuka in NXT who was the most over thing on the entire brand by being badass suited Asuka. Why don't we get them back to that? Put Kyrie Cena in a pirate costume, put Asuka in a suit let them be who they actually are. Let them be badass women. Um, 
and it's going to work because the fans loved it. You heard them. They were shocked that they actually had Alexa Bliss lose the title, and they loved the green mist and the fact that they turned them heel. It completely worked. All right, last but not least here uh, on this Hell in a Cell incident analysis, we will quickly talk SmackDown before the show is out. Uh, Orton and Ali, just another example, in my opinion, of a story that they told backstage in the kickoff show. Orton didn't respect and didn't believe that Ali was actually good, thought it was all luck. They go into the match. Orton dominates, as he should. Ali nearly wins. Orton comes back with the RKO off that uh, rolling face buster that Ali attempted. But after the match, Orton gave him, like, the nod of respect and the, the point and, like, hit, you know, hit himself in the chest. I thought it was just a perfect story. Yeah, it, it, it really was. It, it was. it was almost as it, 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 this might be the WWE's credit. Obviously, like, this card, they, they were scrambling. Or unless, so they needed stuff to fill. So they're like, all right, we'll throw Brandy and out. Brandy could do anything we want. Let's throw Ali out there. And they told that that story. And Ali's counter, the RKO, that was really innovative. And it may, also makes you wonder how no one has done that to this. The, the, Randy's faced a lot of athletic guys and who could have oh, yeah. easily done that. You want to go to them and say, hey, are you stupid? How did you not figure this out <laughs> years ago? What's wrong with you? Good, but no, Ali just continues to show, man, this dude has a future. If we were get disappointed with his booking sometimes like how he should be in the intercontinental title but this dude has a future he's a future world champ he's gonna get one of those world titles someday dude is just too good at what he does yeah, inside right. the inside the ring and out he really is it no, really I does try- it really does make me wonder what their plans were for him and sorry to interrupt you because right. we know that we know that kevin owens was gonna fight daniel bryan kevin owens is a face at wrestlemania the goal was for him to win the title but ali was supposed to be obviously in the gauntlet match and in the elimination chamber match and obviously, Kobe Kingston took a spot because yeah. he got hurt. So I wonder what the plan actually was. You know for what? Ali, you know, technically, I think he was going to win the title. I think I think Ali was going to win the WWE Championship at WrestleMania simply because the the uh, the top title feud for this year's WrestleMania was the two women's titles. Secondary was Brock and Seth. So I think they said, "Hey, we have room." To, if we want to experiment with this guy, with the WWE Championship of WrestleMania, we could do it because not all eyes are on it. They're, they're focused on the other two. We could do this and we could just experiment for one year because it's not because the two are above them. I, I honestly think he was going to win. That I, was think it, I, I think that's plausible. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong because I certainly don't know, you know either way, yeah. but it was reported to be Owens coming back as the face. We saw how that transpired. Let's I not forget. I, no, that but the Orton thing I think was after Ali. Owens, Kevin Owens. Yeah, I no, the KO stuff was after Ali. No, I think I think WWE cha- or, yeah, or it was right at the same I think time. WWE changed their plans once Kofi started catching fire and they tried to they moved, you know, Owens into a different feud. If if memory serves, again, 12:41 a.m. on the Eastern. All right, Jack, enough about Hell in a Cell. As promised, we do want to talk about SmackDown's debut on Fox our last podcast with me and BC. Came out Thursday, so it preceded that show. Uh, and our next one, our next podcast is going to be this upcoming Thursday, following Raw, uh, the second episode of AEW, and obviously NXT on Wednesday as well. That is not going to be our permanent home on Thursday. For those of you who are wondering, that is just how our schedule is this upcoming week. Um, straight up, did you like SmackDown on Fox? I enjoy it, it. You know what? It was it was hard to it it was hard to take in because it was so surreal seeing. Like the way they like just presented, like it was the Super Bowl, 
and just seeing it on Fox and Aaron Andrews and Carissa Thompson and those other personalities there doing the interviews and and can we talk about the set? Yeah, talk about the set. That stage was phenomenal, and it had the lasers that I was promised. The WWE <laughs> executive told the New York po- the nice New York Postman that we were getting lasers when Raw premiered stage. Everyone on Twitter saw me. I said, where are the lasers I was promised? I was promised lasers. Well, right before SmackDown on Fox, I said, okay, I feel better. There's my lasers. But, oh, no, it it was great. Um, But, again, you got to see what's going to happen in the coming weeks because we knew that show was going to be special. We knew we were going to enjoy it. Um, Had a big shock at the end that no one saw coming, which is rare these days. Um, No, I enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, I um, I simultaneously enjoyed the presentation. I respected what they did by going to Fox and putting on something that looks like it's going to be, from a visual standpoint, a pay-per-view every week. And that is one thing we didn't talk about, by the way. Shout out to the Hell in a Cell like set. They didn't do a unique pay-per-view set in terms of it wasn't specifically for Hell in a Cell, but it does look like WWE built a pay-per-view set yes. that is different from the Raw set and the SmackDown set. Yeah. And have they have Pyro for it as well. So they're all in on Pyro, the new sets. They all look monstrous and beautiful. And yeah. that is obviously what separates WWE from everyone else. They have the money to do it, and they yeah. really delivered for Raw, SmackDown, and Hell in a Cell. But the SmackDown set was gorgeous. I think those half circles, um, they're a little strange to me, but I mean, I, I accept I, them. I'll, and I'll get I, used to them. It's like the fist. Like the fist was out there, you know, back in the day, and it's like, why is there a fist? And you're like, ah, well, now I love, now I miss the fist when it's gone, you know. See the half circles. When I first saw the set, when the pictures were making the rounds, I thought, and I thought this would be really cool, and I was kind of disappointed. I thought they opened and closed as people were coming out. Oh, okay. That's what I thought, and I because I was like, wait a minute, I think those like open and close, which is really cool. But then when I was like, oh no, they're just kind of circles sitting there as you come. Yeah, they're oh, for the three. They're for the three D effect. Yeah, and it's and it's fine. I mean, it, it the set's really nice. Um, and and the three D graphics. Sure. And I loved especially, but we we knew this though. Like you said, uh, every week is going to be sort of like a pay per view week. Like we heard when these um, when the deals went into place, Fox told WWE we want a sports centric type of product. Not like the sports entertainment you do on Raw. We want something so like that. Like the Kofi Brock tail of the tape was. Uh, I love that. That yeah. was really really cool to see. Well, it was it was very cool that they did deliver what it seems like Fox wanted, especially for a debut episode. It was all wrestling. I yep. mean, there were storyline elements. Certainly, the show opened with The Rock and Baron Corbin and Becky Lynch, and I don't think we really need to get into talking about that segment. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was fun. It was a little bit, it was a little sloppy, but it was cool. Right. Yeah. Well, it was what it was. I just, it's the only thing, the only thing is, um, I was talking to my wife about this too. It's insane. All the cool stuff Becky Lynch has earned, but, but just earn the right to do. And like when she was standing there with the rock, I said, this woman, man, she just keeps hitting home run after, because it was reported days earlier that rock, requested a segment with Becky Lynch. Like he wanted to work with her. Like that's cool as hell, man. Yeah. Um, she was great in that spot. I think the most noticeable thing is she was, it was like she deserved and should yep. be there. Like, like she was not out of place. There's people that um, when they put Seth Rollins, what was it with? Was it with DX or something where it's like, oh, yeah, why yeah, the yeah. hell is, 
why the hell is Seth with DX? Like, that's just so awkward. Becky and The Rock were like, I could believe that if they did an intergender tag team. They like, came, they that makes sense. Came, credit to, and this is more credit to Becky. They came off as two legitimate stars. Yes. Becky looked Me- like mega a star. Stars, I should say. In yeah. fact, in fact, Baron Corbin was the one who looked out of place. Becky looked like a star with The yeah. Rock. And, and it is difficult for anyone to look like a star sitting next to The Rock. And she did. She that's, did. A, that's a very, very good point. Um, but overall, I agree. I thought the presentation of the show was good. Uh, very sports-centric. I like that they used Fox Sports microphones. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, they did change the frame rate, as was noted previously, uh, on the final edition of SmackDown on USA. It was fine. What I noticed more than anything else, someone neutered Kevin Dunn. Maybe it's Kevin Dunn himself. I don't know. But the constant zoomings, they still switched cameras a lot. Not as much, but some. But the zoom in and out on like when someone's getting you know hit really hard or, or stomped or something like that, it was almost completely eliminated to the point where it was so noticeable to me that I watched the entire show again to just watch the camera, the camera angles and footage. And I was like, yeah, I was right. It is much better. So that's really, that's really what uh, I took home from SmackDown. I thought the show as a whole was not for me. It was really to appeal to the casual audience for episode one, get them into the show. Um, And to me, there was no bigger indication of that than the main event. Uh, and that's really what we should talk about with the short amount of time that we have remaining, yeah. which really show should have been over about 10 minutes ago. Um, but they introduce, uh, well, first of all, they have Brock Lesnar beat Kofi Kingston in, you know, six seconds. And I took some heat on Twitter for my opinion, which was, first of all, I hated it. Okay. Straight Sorry, up, ha- straight up hated it. Um, you could have had a 60 to 90 second match or a 45 second match where Cody hits trouble in paradise. Brock kicks out at one, hits him with an F5 and wins, and it still would have been better. You cannot have a guy who you have had beat all comers and been as good of a champion as he has has been and meant as much to the WWE universe, to use their marketing slogan, as he has, lose in eight seconds. I know what they were doing. They were doing the Masvidal finish. They were saying, this can happen in UFC. This can happen in WWE. A guy can get caught and get beat. But the problem is they didn't have the time to tell that story because Kofi was just a trope to utilize in order to introduce Cain Velasquez along with Rey Mysterio. And we'll talk about Cain Velasquez in a minute. But what I said on Twitter was this. I hated the finish. I thought the booking sucked to the match. The, the, the finish, the match. I thought the booking was garbage. But I disagree with people that say WWE, quote unquote, did Kofi dirty. Because when you say that, you're not just talking about the character. You're talking about the man, the human being, right? Who is this professional wrestler this character and what wwe did for kofi kingston not for but with kofi kingston is they saw a movement happening they bought into it they had him win the title at wrestlemania they gave him a great storyline even better than the women's storyline on the way to wrestlemania he eventually wins the title in a crowning all-time top 10 wrestlemania moment we all think he's going to lose the title the next time he defends it two three four months later doesn't retains it at that point probably three months in you myself brian we all were talking i said it on the podcast a bunch of times he's gonna lose the title to brock on the first smackdown we all knew it was gonna you happen. saw it coming yeah you all saw everyone saw it coming uh we certainly said it i know i've said it a few times but we all saw it coming so i wasn't upset it was predictable we knew he was gonna lose it's the way in which he yeah, lost that was, that was bad but that but that doesn't mean that wwe 
did Kofi Kingston, the man, the human being, dirty. They gave him an incredible opportunity. He was WWE champion for six months. Obviously, we know what it did for African-American fans and performers, the way they felt represented. Fantastic. The booking was terrible. They yeah. Tonight, they didn't do Seth Rollins the man dirty. They did the character an injustice. That's what happened with Kofi Kingston. They did the yeah, character an like, injustice. They didn't do him as a human being, quote-unquote, dirty. No, no, they did. Like it, I, I did. I totally disagree. That was stupid. That was a dumb thing to do. Um, but my, only, but my hope is, like you said, that, that Kofi had this run where Kofi proved he can hang as a top guy. He proved he more than proved that. So my hope is that I like what's it? We don't know what's going to happen. I, I have a feeling that this draft is going to be really strange in a good way. Like there's going to be some stuff we don't see coming. Get Kofi over to Raw. Let him hang in. The, I don't like. I don't know what they're playing. If he can fit somewhere, let him hang in the universal title picture for a little bit. And hey, everyone will be happy again. It just you got to get the Brock stigma and what happened. You got to get that away from him for a little bit. But if you can move him over to Raw, him and New Day or whatever, he we know he can hang in the Universal Title picture. He's proven that. So this can be. It's not over for Kofi. Stop saying buried. Stop saying he's done. Yeah. His career's over. Stop it. He wasn't buried. What? What he was? He wasn't buried at really at any point in his career except for Randy Orton. But if you want to say the guy was buried, he was with WWE uh. for eleven for eleven years. And never had a, yeah. a WWE championship. Not only did he get a title opportunity, he won the freaking thing, was pushed to the moon, did tons of press for WWE, went back to Ghana, West Africa with the title in an incredible moment. Sure. They they have fully bought into Kofi Kingston, and it's great. But was the booking terrible? Yeah, the booking was really terrible. It, it, was, it was to the point where they kind of said, you know what, forget him. It doesn't really matter. We're moving on to something bigger. And that bigger thing is Brock Lesnar as the WWE champion and Cain Velasquez debuting in WWE, Jack. And here's my number one issue with this. And it's we talked about it earlier in the show. It's so late that I forgot who we were talking about it with. Roman Reigns is who we were talking about it with. We said Roman Reigns does not need to be a world champion. You know who really doesn't need to be a world champion Brock Lesnar. Because no. When Brock Lesnar's in the ring, when he's on WWE TV, it is big business. Just like The Undertaker back in the day. He did not need to be champion. And that's why Taker, his championship reigns were actually very short and few and far between. Because he didn't need the damn title. Brock does not need the damn title for a feud with Cain Velasquez. And yet, Vince McMahon, because you know it was Vince McMahon, in his warped mind said... We got to get Brock back as WWE champion. That's the only thing that people are going to care about. And there they have it. Brock or is now uh, WWE champion, and they've debuted Cain Velasquez alongside Rey Mysterio. I want you, as a bigger UFC fan than me by far, to give your full take on Cain Velasquez. The only thing I'm going to say to precede you on this is this When Brock Lesnar joined WWE, when Ronda Rousey joined WWE, they were crossover transcendent. MMA stars. Obviously, Brock was in WWE before he ever did MMA. He was also a collegiate professional wrestler. Cain Velasquez is not Conor McGregor. He's not even Habib, at least today. He's, in my opinion, as a somewhat MMA layman, a second-tier UFC star. And they tried to introduce him as he was, as if he was, you know, in a in an entertainment standpoint or in a national familiarity standpoint on par with Brock Lesnar and to me who watches MMA but is not obsessed and doesn't love it he is not that 
And that is why to me it felt awkward. Which is well, a few things about Kate. Like first off, like for wrestling fans who don't know, no, he's not the the, the crossover star. But and BC would agree with this. I, I know he would if if he were here. Here's the thing about Kane Velasquez. This man, for a very, very consistent amount of time, for about a five-year period, was considered the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. He was that good. He's still he's still fairly good. His last his last fight, if he didn't tweak his knee, don't know what might have happened. But quick, there was a very quick good- interruption. Quick interruption. The time where he was considered the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, UFC was not nearly as popular as it. It is was now. not, unfortunately. Go ahead. It, it was not. But even even heavyweights, I've seen we've seen come along since then. Kane Velasquez in his prime, oh, miles better. Like, Kane was a legit dude. He really was. And now, God bless, kudos, this professional wrestling thing, he's giving it a try, and hey, he's good at it. He's good, yeah. But I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here. I want people to also realize those gifts you see of him in AAA, I don't think you're going to get that in WWE. I'm sorry. You're not going to get the Lucha Libre Kane Velasquez. Against Bro- think, you're not going to get it against Brock. You, you you're not going to get it against Brock, which we don't know what a deal is. It might came by. We we don't know anything of his kind. We heard how many different reports about whether he signed or not in the last few days alone. No one really knows. Just since you brought it up, and I'll let you continue about talking about him. But what he told ESPN immediately after SmackDown is that he has not yet signed with WWE, but they're super close and. If he does sign with an American professional wrestling company, it will be them. So he's not going to go to AEW, which we're certainly after him because AAA has the relationship with AEW. To me, right off the bat, Jack, that's a surprise. If it was me, he had so much fun doing Lucha Libre, wearing the mask. Why wouldn't you do a situation where you could work for an American company and still work in Mexico? I don't know about that. That's number one. Money, I I understand. I see you making the movement there. Um, So so that's the thing that surprised me. That's where it stands right now. The, the report, according to Dave Meltzer, is – and look, I saw Kane. That's got to be Kane. If I had the sound drop, I would do it. <laughs> um, I saw him. I said, wow, they're going to go Brock Lesnar, Kane Velasquez, WrestleMania. That's awesome. Dave Meltzer is reporting Brock Lesnar, Kane Velasquez, crown jewel in a, couple, in, in, a couple, in a couple of weeks. I don't get that at all. I understand it's – you know, equivalent well, to WrestleMania, I understand the marketing. The, you know, that what? does not make any sense to me, Jack. Don't forget. Uh, well, no, it doesn't make sense. It, it, well, the only way it makes sense is from a financial standpoint. Come on, anytime, anytime we're a company in anything with Saudi okay, Arabia, this isn't this isn't Sean coming back though. This is introducing a new guy and having him go up against the dude who he beat for the UFC Heavyweight yeah. Championship in three weeks we're in Saudi do Arabia. It. At Thursday, what we're gonna do it Thursday, Halloween at one p.m. Eastern time. Well, I mean, if we want to be technical, four thirty p.m. Eastern time, five p.m. Eastern time on a Thursday, and plus Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman, not to sidetrack Tyson Fury. Like, where are we, where are we going with these Saudi Arabia cards now? Where, where 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 what have we devolved into here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're expecting or what Vince is trying to deliver. I was gonna bring up Tyson Fury. Certainly, I do want to finish on Velasquez, but I just. I know they want big matches and big names. They have Team Hogan versus Team Flair for Crown Jewel. I don't see how it makes any sense. If they wanted to do Brock Ray with Kane in his yes. corner, that I would understand. Have Brock win, continue the feud, then build it for Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. But yeah. this, having them go one-on-one if that is what happens, doesn't uh-huh. make any sense. 
Really quick, tell the people that Cain Velasquez is not flabby and out of shape. People think he is. They've never seen him before, I guess. It doesn't matter. Look, look, if you we we've been talking for years about how what a legit badass dude Brock Lesnar is. I, I had this argument with people that were doing the wall. Look, he's flabby. He's out of shape. I'm like, okay, but look, for how long you've been saying, boy, I wish there was someone in this company who would just be a threat to Brock. It's like, look, it doesn't look. You want you want me to show you some highlights about he beats <laughs> the ever living hell out of Brock Lesnar in real life in minutes for the UFC heavyweight championship. Doesn't matter what the dude looks like. He's the one guy in this company that we know for a fact can destroy. But and look, if they were to fight today. Kane would do the same thing. Oh, God, I hate to filmed. tell people that he Kane filmed. would do the same thing to Brock. Um, my one thing about Kane that I did not—I I love the moment. It was because very few and far between, especially in the age of the internet, can pro wrestling surprise you. When Kane walked out, that was a shock, and I got up. I, I was running around the house almost. I was like, "Holy!" The problem was the people in the arena were not as excited as I was because. because they he's didn't a know second tier because it's a second tier non crossover. Not star. so much that it, it was at the very minimum because I understand if the guy's not signed, you can't spend the money to make him theme music, and she, so I understand he had to come out with Ray to raise theme and stuff. But what I would have done, just if it were me, I would have had Ray come out in the sling and this say, "Yeah, Brock standing in the ring laughing at Ray like, oh, I, look, I just destroyed. What do you want?" I just destroyed you Monday when Ray's there in the sling. Ray just turns around and points to the screen. Yeah. And it comes up, Kane Velasquez. Maybe, I don't know, a good portion, you could have got that crowd to pop. But instead, here, because I, somebody told me this, and I didn't realize it until I watched it back and I saw somebody said, I wondered for a second if Dominic shaved his head. So did I. And I said, you know what? I didn't think about it at the time because I, I said, but I could see where people would have thought. That it was Dominic coming to fight Brock. The but camera was been, all. The camera was also far away at the time. It was far. Yeah, the, the zoom out didn't help either until they. But no, I would have at the very least. It, that simple. Have Brock laugh at Ray and Ray just say, uh, "Look, I'm I'm not here for you. He is right." And then have like, Kane. They come they they treated him like he was on the level of like a Tyson, a Mayweather, a Lesnar, a Rousey. And that's just, that's where that's that's what I'm getting at as a casual MMA fan myself. It, He's yeah. not. He's simply not. And and, and they're putting if – if they feel like they're going to put a lot of eggs in that basket, they're going to be sorely mistaken. If they're paying him like they, they're paying Lesnar, they're not going to get the ROI on that that they are for Lesnar. Um, now, moving on from that, just because we, we do need to wrap up, you did mention Tyson Fury um, and Braun Strowman. So honestly, and I've told BC this on the podcast before, we've talked about it offline before, uh, I am not a Tyson Fury fan. I was surprised – that there was an ESPN top rank guy on Fox uh, where, where they have a, another relationship with PBC and, and it very easily could have been, you know, I think Sean Porter was there. Can I, um, can, can I explain why that is? Well, sure. But let me fine. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. No, it's fair. The fight with Deontay Wilder is a yes. co coming up on February 22nd is a co-promoted mm -hmm. Fox PBC ESPN. So Tyson does have, a limited relationship at right now with Fox and PBC, but the, so, the, there's also another conspiracy theory I have. We'll get okay. into. So that's totally fair. I, I accept that. Yeah. I would say to you, and I already know the answer. I would say to you, well, why not just put Deontay Wilder there? Oh, he, no, he wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. He's, he's crazy on the mic. He's, he's a, a attractive persona, et cetera. 
The reason you can't do it is because Deontay Wilder is crazy and he would curse and he would say things that extemporaneously that could not air on WWE television. Whereas Tyson Fury is a contained fury, like not to, not to play off his name. I didn't mean to do that, but he's contained. Like he knows what he's doing every step of the way, at least now. But my point is I do not really like Tyson Fury at all. I think ESPN running with him being the lineal heavyweight champion when he retired. Um, and it's not, not even a real title in the first place is ridiculous. Um, but for some reason it popped me seeing him stand up right next it, to Braun Strowman. Yeah. I said, you know what? I want to see this. And again, Jack, my mind went, I want to see this build all the way to WrestleMania. And then Meltzer comes out and reports. This is also going to be at crown jewel. And it's there. just, it's crazy to me. Well, the the the, the, the first thing I thought when I saw Tyson Fury, I, and I, I truly believe this. There were, they, reports back because they've been trying i think that spot and no not against brown i think brown tyson fury was brought together that spot on fox for you know however long back i think was reserved for conor mcgregor i think conor was going to be in that spot of the combat sports guy coming in on the first smackdown on fox but he's in so much crap right now that they had to tell Vince, look, you can't, no matter what you give it, you can't get McGregor. It's not a good idea. But then they're like, look, this Tyson Fury guy, he's a little problematic too, but he'll be entertaining. He's entertaining as all hell when you can rein him in. Uh, But I, I I think that's that spot you saw was that sports center moment. They call it the, that was reserved for Connor. I think that that uh, there was a plan a long time ago that said, well, we debut on Fox, we'll have Connor come back and everyone will be happy. But I, I'm, if we have to, de- if we're forced to deal with it, because I'm not the hugest Fury fan either, but if we have to deal with it, I'm okay with it being Tyson. Um, but what's interesting to me is I had a conversation the other day with, so I think it might have been uh, Brandon Weiss where I said, am I the only person who sees what's going on here? Because that Brown Tyson Fury is rumored to be at Crown Jewel. Right. Whatever they're going to do. This is, this is smart by Fox. Boy, are they smart. What is, ha- what is also happening in Saudi Arabia before this year is over? Uh, there's that big fight. I'm forgetting which one it is. For the heavyweight championship of the world. Oh, Ortiz, Anthony Joshua, uh, Joshua versus right. Joshua Ruiz. Yeah. You're going to take, take Tyson Fury and you're going to send him over to Saudi Arabia about a month out to promote yeah. himself. I said, this was planned. This was a strategic plan to send him over to that country first before Anthony Joshua and Ruiz go over there to fight to take some of the attention away. This I was don't... smart. The the difficulty here is I want to wrap up the pod uh, tonight, and we're going to. The, that's This is going to be the last topic we talk about. But I, I could really go into like another 25 minutes on WWE and the heavyweight championship in Saudi Arabia and and how like we're even talking about this right now. And it's just such a joke. But um, ultimate, ultimately, though, my wrap up from SmackDown was I thought it was a very good show for casual fans. I don't think uh, Velasquez hit the home run they thought he would. Um, I think Fury's actually getting some big, bigger headlines than that, to their probably surprise. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens with those things. But ultimately, I was upset to see Kofi lose the title. We knew it was going to happen. It was just the way it went down. Again, just like 
with Hell in a Cell, it wasn't the result. It was the booking. And that is our biggest issue with WWE right now. It's what Brian and I talk about all the time. It's what I say all the time. Predictable is not bad. Just get us there in a smart, uh, entertaining way. And I think WWE uh, Friday night at the end of the show uh, and certainly Sunday night at the end of the show failed to do just that. So, Jack, um, we planned to to do a 45-minute instant analysis of WWE Hell in a Cell and the first SmackDown on Fox. Always happens. Uh, we gave you guys double, so you're welcome. Uh, please, obviously, follow us on Twitter at State of Combat. Uh, be sure to follow me at Silverstein Adam. Jack, you have some numbers in your handle. What's your Twitter address? Yeah, Jack Crosby, fourteen twenty-three. All right, and we will be back with additional episodes of State of Combat, uh, MMA, and professional wrestling this upcoming week. For Jack Crosby and for BC, who's somewhere in the Caribbean, I'm the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. We out.